BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello? This is the Brickflix Fryfest preview series 2019. The Brickflix podcast comes absolutely free. So can I ask a favour? I urge everyone to go over to my iTunes page, Stitcher page, SoundCloud page, or Spotify page, or whatever podcast medium you're using to listen and please rate and review us you can just rate us they all have star meters which can be clicked on in absolutely no time at all just click on it and you're done and it'd be really helpful trust me the higher the star meter the more reviews we get the more ratings we get the more the britflix.com podcast goes up the charts please 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 come on i'm begging you now everyone listening Go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or Spotify pages, type BritFlix.com podcast and rate us. And if you've got a little bit more time in your hands, why not review us as well? Just two or three words of praise will do the world of good. It's really simple and really quick. Now on with the show. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright and today's show is a um, departure from the usual um, five Gregory horror films or Q&A with a filmmaker. This is um, where I've um, searched the, uh, the vaults of Frightfest and found a couple of veterans who are going to give us their opinion of the best of the fest. Now, to make it fun... Um, I'm making them choose the headings that I reported in my Best of the Fest that came out the week after the festival, but also to make it even more fun and to up the ante in terms of their contribution to the podcast, I'm also doing it against the clock. So a bit like when the five minutes are up on um, five Great British Horror Films, when the time is up, Edgar Broughton Band will sing out Demons Out and we will move swiftly on. Um, the, my two guests are... Um, are fright festers of, of many years, um, and they'll tell you how long that is themselves. Uh, they're also filmmakers in their own right, 
Uh, I'm talking about Keith Isles and Clive Ashenden. So without further ado, I shall hand the show over to them. Welcome to Best of the Fest, Clive Ashenden. Hello. Hello, Stuart. Good to be here. Indeed, indeed. And for those that don't know, Clive and I made a film called Out of Hours in 2012, which will premiere at Raindance, a beautiful little uh, contained thriller set in my old office where I used to work when I had money. <laughs> ah, yes. The, those halcyon days, they sure. Yeah, the halcyon days of a salary. <laughs> uh, now I'm now I live the life of a freelance beggar, um, <clears throat> but that's not what we've come to talk about. Um, we are doing best of the fest from Fright Fest, and as it was the 20th anniversary, it seems appropriate as you, as a seasoned Fright Fester, should tell the audience what makes you such an expert to come on here. When was your first Fright Fest? Uh, well, this year was my 18th uh, Fright Fest in a row uh, as a, as a as a full pass holder blimey O'Reilly. um and i've done i've also done a couple of uh, couple of glass uh, glasgow fright fests and uh, and a number of the halloween events and special like one off uh, events and things how so, does, how does the glasgow yeah. event compare to the london event because i've never been to glasgow uh, uh the glasgow event Basically, it reminds me of what Fright Fest was when I first started going. Okay. When it was just when it was just one screen at Prince Charles, everyone watches the same film. Then you come out uh, in between films and you talk about the film you just seen. So, which is really nice. So, and and even if you just watched a bad film, then you kind of enjoy the badness together. If that makes sense, you kind <laughs> of kind of you know take the Mickey out of it together or. Or, or you know, or find that one contrarian who loves it, and 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 and, and listen to them uh, telling you why you're wrong, which is always fun. So, so was that so for you to have see, been to eighteen of the twenty? Had you just not heard of it for the first two, and then you got wind of it for that one, or was you not in London? <coughs> I, I I was in London. I'd heard of the first one, um, like kind of after the fact, and. Because I'd always been rather jealous of people who went to the old shock around the clock mm. uh, uh, events that Alan Jones was involved in with yeah. this, at the old Scala yeah. and thought, oh, that would be awesome. And that was just, you know, before I got up to London, I wasn't, it wouldn't have been old enough, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I heard about it the first year, like after the fact, the second year, I just couldn't afford it. Um, I was I was on a I was I was doing I was a runner in Soho, mm. so I, I was making like less than well there was no minimum wage then, but I was making like, you're making less, less than, than less than wage. I am right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, yeah. So so that wasn't an option, but uh, <coughs> I was in employment the next year, and I was determined I was going to go for the whole thing, and uh, and I loved it, and I, and you know for the first that sort of the family feeling of it, even just. Uh, the, I mean, a tradition that's kind of gone now, but the whole sleepy queue thing, where initially you would go and you would queue overnight or what in the year, early what hours year did that come in the morning. What year did the sleepy queue come in? Um, I, I feel like it was from the it was almost from the very beginning, oh, but it beca- really became a thing when it moved from the <clears> Prince Charles <throat> to the Odeon for one year, which I think was two thousand and five. Okay. Uh, the Odeon West End, and then it moved to the view. Uh, so it, then it started to become a thing where people were queuing around the block, and uh, yeah, and, and yeah, when, and when it was sort of found its home in what was the Empire, now the Cineworld Leicester Square, 
then you got like queues round round the round the block and you know and you would and I mean I, I wasn't as hardcore as some people like queuing there like overnight and stuff. I, I would just get there at sort of like three four in the morning or something like that. Like uh, just uh, and but you know even Clive, can I just stop you there? I love how you describe the fact that you weren't hardcore enough <laughs> simply to turn up at three o'clock in the morning. That like like that's some sort of half-assed attempt to get a ticket. Brilliant. <laughs> Well, it, there was it, there was this there was this fear because it got it got more bigger each year. It, it yeah. got more bigger. Uh, it got <laughs> it, 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 it got bigger each year. It got it, you know they they started adding the extra screens. So there was still this there was this fear you're going to mix uh, you're going to miss out. And also, initially, uh, like now they they put all the tickets online at the same time. So there's a, like a heart attack thing as you as you watch all the seats like magically disappear off the uh, off the plan. But then it was uh, there was basically an hour where they, where it was like the people that were there who'd queued up would go in and get <coughs> their tickets, and then it would and then the on then they'd open up the online. So if you at the end if you at the end of the sleepy queue. Then you would probably overlap with the uh, with the online people. Yes, you took you, you took me to my first sleepy queue in two thousand and eleven. Wow, there you go. And uh, and how was that? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, you'd gone a bit softer by then because we went at about half six in the morning. And that's true. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I, I, I must have been uh, slipping. <laughs> but yeah, there were people there with their camping. Camping chairs and sleeping bags. It was quite a sight. And I think, I th- if I remember rightly, this might have been the second. I think the first one we got to watch uh, Aggression Scale at the Prince Charles as a kind of sleepy queue reward. And for some reason, I think that happened. Um, but I yeah, might... that, 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 it used to be. Uh, then that became a thing of the sleepy queue reward. <laughs> and I, I remember they showed um, uh, Don't Look Now with uh, with Wickham on it. With Wickham. Yeah. Yes, I don't know how the yeah. hell I sl- stayed awake for a double bill. At lunchtime. Oh man, it, it it was it was it was it was tough to stay awake, even though they're great movies. Um, you know, it, it the pacing of Don't Look Now is is deliberate, and uh, you know, for me that uh, that's part of what builds up the tension. But when you're when you're tired and haven't slept, that's not really what you want. You want something that's going to kind of be a bit louder. Welcome, Keith Isles. Hello, sir. Hello there. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a great honour. <laughs> it's okay. You're 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 part of a great experiment of which we're going to succeed. Um, but before we do, do you want to introduce yourself as a as a fright fester doing this best of the fest show? Um, tell us first. What's the first fright fest you went to? Okay. Yeah, the first fright fest I went to was 2013. So. Um, you know, not not as seasoned as some people, but still a fair innings. And no, no, uh, also, yeah, and also, I mean, I've been to the last four Glasgow Fright Fests as well. So, um, you know, I've been doubling up some years uh, in that time as well. But yes, uh, love it. Absolutely love Fright Fest. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And you are a filmmaker in your own right? I am indeed. Yes, I'm a... Uh, filmmaker and actor on occasions as well um and i'm actually currently working on a feature uh which is a horror stroke thriller feature so you know it would be one of my dreams to uh 
to maybe have a film showing at Fright Fest one year instead of just being, uh, you know, watching other people's films all the time. <laughs> Indeed. Well, no, keep them crossed. We all we all have that dream ahead of us. Um, and Indeed. I, and I hope it'll all be a reality for us too. <clears throat> but we are here now to talk about your best of the fest. The rules have been explained, so we're going to dive in. I've got your list. You've got your list. We're going to work our way through the through the headings. I'll play with the stopwatch, um, so and keep you talking. But without further ado, let us um, start with your best of the fest, which I'm asking for three films. So, do you want to tell me what your three are? My number three choice is Tales from the Lodge, uh, written and directed by Abigail Blackmore, which is a British horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two choice is. Uh, the first of my two discovery screen picks, uh, The Deep You Dig, mm-hmm. written, and directed, written and directed by Toby Poser and John Adams. And then my number one of the festival is perversely not a horror movie at all. It's Happy Face, which is uh, directed by uh, Alexandra uh, Franchi. Franchi. That's what I said. Yeah, when I spoke uh, which, is a, which is a Canadian uh, movie which was programmed by uh, the uh, the Duke Mitchell uh, gang. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, uh, maybe I, should, I just I think I think I'll start with that one just because it's it's such an outlier. Go on, then. It was one of those ones where I'd heard that it got some festival buzz. Um, I, I always think that the uh, that the the Duke Mitchell guys who uh, program interesting films they're not always my cup of tea but they're always something to talk about mm. so i so i thought i'll I roll the dice and go along and i'm so glad i did because it was such an emotional experience um you know i i it, it, you know i cried you don't expect to cry at fright fest no me me, you, me and you both clive me and you both you know, uh, you don't. I mean, you, you know, you hope you're going to sort of jump out your seat. You're going to you're going to be scared. You're going to laugh. You know, uh, you're going to sort of applaud the uh, amazing gory kills, but you don't think you're going to cry. And yeah, it, it's it's such a, it's such a weird thing dealing with uh, all these different themes about how people are seen, how disfigurement is viewed by society. It's such a special movie, mm. um, and yeah, but I, I should probably move on to talk about my second. Uh, I was going to say, tell us what you what you liked about Deep You Dig. Yeah, Deep You Dig is 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 a kind of <clears throat> it's a thriller which ha- which sort of has some supernatural elements in it. Um, it has it's sort of like a Fargo s tale. What I re- what I I loved about it was that it's kind of essentially made by this sort of three. Uh, three-part family unit Mm. the writer and director uh, are also the lead female and lead male actor and the other and the other lead is their daughter who's also uh, dop who's also dop (laughs) yeah so it's like they all pick so so as an indie story it's so inspirational but just as a as a movie it blew me away what they achieved Mm. i mean you, you know there's a few sort of little uh, issues with with some with some effects, but oh. yeah, sure, okay. My three for the best of the fest are ready or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good woman, a good woman is hard to find, and cut off. 
Uh, and I've also got a couple of honourable mentions if we get time. <laughs> OK. Well, look, will you tell me what, what, what for you was, was – are these, in, are these in, in order? Are you saying that Ready or Not is your number one choice of the festival this year? Well, I think so, yeah, because I, I'm kind of the way I'm the way I'm uh, judging this uh, is is the experience I had in the cinema. Uh, you know, I'm very interested in the you know the way that we consume uh, content these days. Well, give us, and, well, give, uh, us give us your experience. You know, give us what happened then. What is what what is ready or not as a basic gist of it? Okay, I mean, but Ready or Not is a is a really fun film, which is uh, essentially about a um, uh, a young married couple uh, centering mainly on the bride, who is played wonderfully by uh, Samara Weaving, mm-hmm. and uh, she basically joins this family, which is um, basically a game empire. So. Um, you, you know they they've got a massive family history of board games and uh essentially part of the ritual when you marry into that family is you have to pick a random card which gives you the game that you're going to play and the uh sick part is um you know this incredibly wealthy family um you have to survive until dawn so you've got from like midnight to dawn to survive and she picks hide and go seek and it is literally she is running and hiding for her life quite literally now we all know what we all know what hide and seek is so what makes it such a good horror film using using hide and seek well I mean, what makes it really good is, um, first of all, the quality of the actual filmmaking is 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 very good, um, and the performances are all fantastic. Uh, but yes, it, it, this this is one of those ones that sort of borders on um, horror stroke, you know, black comedy, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 very it's very. Uh, it's very much it's fun you've got a you're on a ride you're you're completely with the central character for the whole story and um it's very edge of your seat stuff actually but there, there there's a, there's a nice mixture of some really gory things but also some really funny things and things that you shouldn't necessarily be laughing at at the expense of like um rich people's servants getting um horribly killed <laughs> really <laughs> and, and, and it being made a joke of and stuff so but it, but it was just it was just Keith, really fun Keith, to watch Keith, there's, your, there's your timer your first three minutes is oh up. wow so there you go see you, su- you survived that well didn't you right moving so, so i only got one of my films in in the three no, you, minutes you, you told us that you told us the three titles we talked about one this is the whole point of the timing okay. So uh, you can wow. talk about one of them now. So we've got best another one of them because one one of them is your best of British. So here's sixty seconds best of British. You've got a good woman. It's hard to find now. This is a very different movie. Um, yes. What made it What made it interesting for you? Right. Well, this was actually the closing film of mm-hmm. the of Fright Fest, which uh, you you know over the years has had kind of uh, you know closing films have been somewhat hit or miss. It's fair to say, um, but this is a real thriller. Um, it's set in Ireland, and uh, so it's a British production, as we said, best of British, and it it centres around a young woman uh, played wonderfully by Sarah Bolger, mm-hmm. who. Um, is a single mum and uh you know she's she's struggling to make ends meet and whatever and um 
she's very much minding her own business but the uh particular estate that she lives on um there is some shady activities going on and uh one day a uh, a drug runner who's who's a drug dealer who's being chased um keith, and, keith uh, your your timekeeper's terrible right then uh lord is that that's 60 <laughs> seconds mate you've got to, you've got to think about what you're trying to tell us why it's good we don't need us we don't need the magazine synopsis just tell us why it's good okay so yeah um surprising no one now uh, my best british movie is tales from the lodge okay which is uh which is a, a really great like uh ensemble film it's a portmanteau film um I- imagine if you will uh, the Big Chill or Peter's Friends or one of those kind of like reunion <laughs> uh, films like mash up with uh, with a good old fashioned amicus horror story. And that's what you've got. You, you've, uh, it, it's sort of in some ways it doesn't really do anything massively new, but but it's just so well written, uh, written. It's so witty and so funny. And yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved and it. And Abigail won the Rising Star Award, didn't she? For uh... and I think she she deserved it just for the writing alone. I, yeah. think, I thought it was great, and yeah, some uh, you know just uh, just lovely uh, lovely uh, comic moments from uh, Mackenzie Crook and Johnny Vegas, and um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, fantastic. Right, sir. Moving swiftly along. Didn't see that coming. Favorite twist. Yeah. Okay. So it's a film called Come to Daddy. And what was and what was the twist? And what was the twist for you in that? What 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 was so clever about it? Well, the twist in that is Elijah Wood goes to see his estranged father, which is played by Stephen McCatty in this mm-hmm. film. And you you know you go through most of the film thinking that this is indeed his father, but the twist turns out that it's not his father at all, and it's uh, actually somebody that's. Um, uh, you know, he's come to. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, I'm finding this hard. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not his dad at all. So it, it, you know, and you just, as the audience member, just did not see this coming whatsoever. And he's a you know much more nefarious character. And uh, yeah, the twist just worked really well, I thought. So um, you know, this is obviously a massive spoiler, but uh, it 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 really worked um, in terms of an opening film. Uh, I totally didn't see it coming. There's Edgar Broughton again. Basically, my favourite twist, uh, and I don't feel like this this spoils it by saying there is a twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, was the ending of the of the DVD dig because of how it sort of it sucks you in with this sort of tale of, with these characters, this really kind of intense, you know, Fargo esque, you know, Coen Brothers type tale set in the snow. Of you know of the guy of the guy who, who kills this woman's daughter accidentally, but and then then covers it up, mm. and then and then her and then her trying to find out. So you think you know where it's going, and it gets to a bit, and then this supernatural element starts creeping, and then there's this bathroom scene, and I'm not going to say what happens in it, but afterwards you're like, what the actual. <laughs> You know what? What? What just happened? And, and, and you know, and you, you know what? You, you know what's happened. But your brain is going. Where is this movie going now? I thought I knew where this was going, but now, yeah. <laughs> a whole new gives a whole new meaning to get inside your head. It really does. Yeah. Right then. So next one is that sounds great. Best music. 
Okay, so I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a bit different here because, to be honest, no, I, I couldn't think of any music that really stood out to me. Okay, which I think, which I suppose means that the music was all the music for the movies was do, were doing their job. If you see what I mean. Got you. Um, but so I want to highlight sound design. So I'll mention, I mean, sound design and feedback, which was the Eddie Marzan, uh, like, con, uh, like kind of bottled thriller set in a radio studio was really good. But the, uh, but the sound design and the DPU dig, which was done again by John Adams, hmm. who did the editing, I thought was amazing. And that really lifted it. It really kind of, even when there is, there were some kind of product, you know, bits where you, they didn't quite have the budget. It's it just it it really made it creepy and and especially when this in those scenes where they when there's almost sort of um, surreal imagery creeping in. I thought the way he sort of made a soundscape was brilliant. The best music I enjoyed a film called Crawl, which again was uh, on the opening night. Um, I saw that for a second festival. time this week. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. It's essentially a creature feature. Um, but the music in it, which was very tense, uh, it's actually credited as Max Aradu and Saffron Thumb, but also Lorne Balfe was involved as well in the uh, some of the scoring of this. Lorne Balfe recently did the final, uh, you know, the last Mission Impossible film, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was really tense. I mean, this is again a uh, essentially about a woman who's trapped in a basement, filling up with water, trying to help her dad. And uh, there are, um, you, you know, uh, crocodiles, alligators in in the in the basement with her. So uh, it's a real fun creature feature. And yeah, the music definitely kept me on the edge of my seat with it, as well as the uh, the the. the, the... There you go. Very well done. You're getting the hang of this now, Keith. I can tell. We're going to move on to something much more, which is something much more easy to spot. You nasty bastard. Your best villain from Frightfest. Okay, my best villain was Sadie, played by Catelyn Stacey in Kindred Spirits. What, uh, Kindred what, Spirit. what appealed about about her being a villain? Uh well, I mean, you know, there were some really good villains it, it, this year, I thought, but. For the, for me, it was. I guess it's because the movie itself is kind of an indie take on '90s thrillers like *The Hand That Rocks the Cradle*, *Pacific Heights*, *Unlawful Entry*. So it's this sort of cuckoo in the nest. This sort of ins- she's an insidious bad uh, uh, baddie. Mm. If you see what I mean? Mm. Where she's like she's putting on one face about, oh, I really love you. I'm I'm so good. And and at the same time, you just you're just watching her stick their needle in all the time and and just gradually build up. And and I really liked. Uh, for me, the sort of like indie character, indie character stuff at the beginning, really kind of sort of it worked. And then when it went like like full kind of batshit crazy at the end, then uh, then that turn, I thought I thought she did it really well. So I enjoyed that. Okay, the best villain was um, Ed uh, in a Good Woman Is Hard to Find, a character played played by Edward Hogg. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, he plays basically a really nasty sort of gangster um, leader guy, but he's very unpredictable. You just don't know what this guy's going to do. Um, and, what, did, what did you like uh, about the, his the performance. performance? What did you like about his performance? I, I, I just like the fact that he was really unhinged and his performance, he never played it as a sort of typical bad guy gangster 
guy he played it as a somewhat sort of ordinary bloke that suddenly would just go and do <laughs> absolutely insane uh things to people um randomly uh and yeah he was I, I just thought it was a really good performance and definitely the uh nastiest bastard in 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 the uh in the, in the film <laughs> so yeah um and as i said that good woman hard to find is a really great thriller Indeed, there goes 60 seconds again. We're on, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. So, oh my God, scariest moment of Fright Fest 2019 for you. Okay, uh, kind of a bit left field this, but it was actually in the film Rabid um, by the uh, wonderful Soska sisters. Um, and it was uh, it featured the main character played by Laura Vandervolt, who... Uh, I've always been a fan of since sort of Smallville and uh, later on in V, who's a very, very attractive actress. <laughs> and um, okay. it was the bit where she, she's involved in an accident, uh, which disfigures her somewhat. And I have to admit, the bit where they actually reveal that and take the bandages off her face, um, I thought was, was, was pretty horrific, um, just to see the mess that this accident had actually made of her. And it, it, there was actually a gasp from the audience when, when, when this was removed. So I'm not so sure it's a scare in terms of like a jump scare, but it was in terms of a sort of horror shock, it, uh, it really worked. So I thought it deserved a good mention there. And, oh, no, uh, no, you know, I, there we go. Edgar Broughton singing again. For me, there wasn't really like a sort of stand-up, scary, scary uh, film where I just jumped out my skin or felt really, uh, really scared. Maybe that means I've just uh, I, I'm dead inside after watching too many horror movies. But um, <laughs> uh, I, instead, I'm going to go for a pick of one which which I found super creepy and and had a bit of that uncanny uh, feeling. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to and I'm going to pick a short film uh, called "Please Speak Continuously and Describe Your Experiences as They Come to You." Which was the Brandon Cronenberg short. That it was she, amazing, screened. wasn't it? Which is amazing and full of just all this, just image after image of just really disturbing stuff. Had a real kind of David Lynchian type feel to it and made me really excited for his next uh, horror feature, Possessor. Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those films where you just come out and you're a little bit kind of like, you know, ugh, just a little bit uncomfortable in your own skin, a little bit twitchy. Indeed, indeed it is. It's like he's, uh, he's grown up in the right household, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I Don't Want to Die, best improvised kill. Okay, um, for me, the award goes to Darling. Um, and I'm, I'm giving it the award because of, I'm giving it, because uh, of bonus points for irony. <laughs> so it, it, in the kill I'm talking about, um, and this may be a slight spoiler, but you know, I can't really go into this without, without, without talking about this. Uh, the woman who's the, who's Polly McIntosh's, uh, uh, character from, uh, from the woman. This is a, a sequel to the woman. Mm -hmm. Um, she grabs a dub of peace flag to spear. <laughs> The pedophile priest to death, um, and, and, you know, because she's so, and and it and it's like, what's the hand? And she's in a church, and she pitches, and she picks this thing up. So I, I, I just, I, I appreciated the sort of coming together of all those various elements. I thought, I thought it was delicious. I'm glad you said that because I, I didn't spot what was on the flag. I just thought it was a good kill. But now you've said that, it's elevated it to somewhere else. <laughs>
Okay, uh, once again, I'm going for the film Come to Daddy. Um, there's, uh, and essentially, it's Elijah Wood, uh, who's the main character in it, who is, 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 you know, a very passive character, not aggressive whatsoever, but he gets himself into this situation. And there's one kill that uh, takes place in a toilet where he ends up literally beating one of the um, aggressors to a pulp. Um, and it, it's one of those very uncomfortable to watch scenes because it just goes on and on and on. And he just keeps it thud, 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 thud. He just keeps like beating this guy until, you, you know, uh, there, there's not much left. And uh, it was a real sort of turnaround for his character. And uh, it, it got an applaud from the audience. So it was a really good, um, like you said, uh, you know, improvised kill moments. Um, and very... Tell me, cheer up, mate. It might never happen. What got the biggest laugh for you? Okay. Uh, biggest laugh for me was uh, in the... was in uh, Bullets of Justice, mm. which was the bizarre Kazakhstan-Bulgarian post-apocalyptic humans versus human pig hybrids movie. Uh, <laughs> Starring Danny Trejo. Um, for all, and for all five a, minutes. Yeah. There's a scene where a, got, where a character's trying to open a bag for five straight minutes as, as, as people are just sitting there watching him doing it. <laughs> and it is one of those things. It's like, like the whole kind of bit about, you know, if, if, you, if you repeat something for long enough, then it, it stops being funny. But then it goes round again and becomes even funnier. So it, it, it's, it's, like, well, it's like that rule of, you know, it's like that... Uh, classic thing about was it Sideshow Bob stepping on all the rakes mm. they just keep repeating it but it was it was just bizarre and and then they then they try they try and top it was as, as he as he opens up he finally gets the bag open and there's another sort of thing within it so yeah Right, well, this is going to sound like I really like Come to Daddy more than anything else, but in terms of the biggest laugh, um, I, the one I remember, and you might have to quote me as to the specifics of the line, but uh, it's by Michael Smiley, who's in the film, and he says something about um, uh, a particular woman he used to be with couldn't couldn't give him an erection because she reminded him of Michael Heseltine or yeah. something like that. I'm, from I may certain, have misquoted. From a certain title, angle, but... she looked like Michael Heseltine, uh, which was, <laughs> yeah, yes, it was a joyous that, line. That, that got a big laugh, but I mean, there were also some wonderful lines in Tales from the Lodge, uh, mm. delivered by Johnny Vegas, and I also saw a, a film called Harpoon, um, which was a lot of fun. It was like um, uh, three people on a boat. It was kind of like um, uh, cheap thrills on a boat, almost. And yeah. um, there were there were some great lines in that. Times up, sir. Times up. So moving swiftly along, best creature. Okay, uh, best creature. Uh, I, I've chosen scary stories to tell in the dark, which again was on the opening night. And a lot of people look at this as a very family-friendly horror film, which, mm -hmm. which to be fair, it is. However, I thought there were some really, a couple of really creepy creatures in this. Um, there was a scarecrow in one of the stories that that sort of comes to life, and yeah. there was a few jump scares in there. But the one that really creeped me out is there was this really odd-looking creature in a hallway that's. Uh, 
um, that's haunting one of the uh, one of the protagonists of the film, and it's just really weird looking and creepy. And uh, I have to say, yeah, as a creature design, I actually thought they'd done a really good job there. And this is definitely, you know, even though it's a kid friendly horror, there's not a lot of gore, but there's definitely some very very um, disturbing imagery in this in the design and sort of look of these creatures so uh yeah that's uh, scary stories to tell in the dark look at you there almost like talking in 60 second pockets okay best creature and this might be a bit of a controversial choice because i know some people are very purist about it has to be a practical creature they don't like anything cg but I'm going for scary, scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm-hmm. The uh, Andre Oberdahl produced by Guillermo del Toro movie. And you, in that, you've got a number of really good uh, monsters. I particularly like Harold, the, uh, the, the Scarecrow and the Pale Lady. Now, I know and I think they were a combination. I think the Pale Lady might be completely CG, but the, I think Harold is, is a combination of CG and practical. But I must admit, I haven't, I haven't researched that. But I, I just thought that they have that whole kind of like, you know, that 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 thing you get in a Guillermo del Toro production, where where just the detail of it, the production design, the the lighting, the way the effect is set up, is just so beautifully done. And I just really admired the artistry of it. Very well timed there, Clive. Very well timed. Um, right then. Uh, did that really just happen? Favorite scene. Okay, well, I'm interpreting this as as my favorite scene of the festival. Rather, it, so this isn't one where I was like, "Oh my god, what the hell was that?" Mm-hmm. This is just one where I just it, it enjoyed it because on uh, it's from my number one film, Happy Face, mm-hmm. and 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 it's 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 a scene where uh, you've got uh, our hero or anti-hero Stan. Uh, basically sticks it to these bullies who are verbally abusing uh, Vanessa uh, uh, for being fat at, at the local pool, and it and it's and it's just such, such a satisfying. It's it's not you know remaking any the wheel or anything. It's it's just it's just such a satisfying turning the tail uh, tables on the bullies moment. You know, really make you like punch the air kind mm. of thing. And uh, yeah, so. That's the one where I think back and and I get the most sort of like yeah I love that scene so so I'm, I'm gonna go for that one. Tell me who was the best male actor first for you at Fright this year? Right, well, um, this is a film that probably not many people will pick, but I just thought the performances were stellar. Um, there was a film we watched called Mary, which. Okay. Um, essentially took place uh it, it's about a guy who bought a essentially a haunted yacht uh and took his family out on it but the uh lead character was played by gary oldman and oh, okay. this was a very it's a very kind of average thriller really um however um the performance was really what elevated it and he was just so believable in this he was your your typical sort of just every man character and you know was really passionate about sailing 
and um you know had bought this boat and basically just didn't want to accept many of the odd things that started to happen um on this on this yacht that they bought and again if any if it had been a lesser actor the film wouldn't have worked at all but i have to say that gary oldman uh, definitely elevated this film and you know it was his performance that made and who, this film and, and who would be your best female actor well, weirdly enough, um, I, I've kind of tied this one. I've, I've already said that Sarah Bolger was amazing mm. in a, a Good Woman Is Hard to Find, but yeah. I also want to give props to Emily Mortimer, who has actually played Gary Oldman's wife in in the, in the film that I've mentioned, Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, um, you know, the, these two leads in this film were so strong, and her performance was so um, compelling, and you really sort of felt for her. On one hand, she wanted to be a supportive wife, but on the other hand, um, you know, she was really creeped out about the things that were going on, and she had a bit of a backstory where she had cheated on him, so she was carrying a lot of guilt um, for, from from being, you know, unfaithful in their relationship. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to go. Let, I'm going to go for the best female performance first, mm-hmm. and which I think was Sarah Bulger uh, in A Good Woman Is Hard to Find as the as the the lead Sarah. Mm. I thought. I mean, this was this was kind of like my like my number two British film of the festival. It's mm. just 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 outside my top three. Mm. Um, it was such a great sort of like gritty nasty thriller with a uh, great villain but it's so everything is just on sarah bulger's back in this movie she's in uh, uh, she's in almost every single scene i think and and you just you're just with her the whole way and she uh, you know following on from you know the, the great uh, sort of genre stuff she's done before like emily i just think it's it was just uh, you know the, the moment I just, uh, you know, I had to write down my pick immediately. Mm. I went to this one because it was just so, such a standout. Performance. So who's who's your best male? Uh, best male uh, was uh, I'm going to go Eddie Marzan. Yeah. Uh, playing the, uh, uh, the, uh, the the sort of the D, uh, not DJ uh, radio personality Jarvis Dolan in Feedback, mm. which is not a movie I talked about yet, but. Um, you know, it, it, it's. I think it's really difficult to uh, to have that sort of tightrope of playing a character who's kind of borderline. Do we like him? Do we not like him? And and, and this the whole way through feedback, they they sort of play on this tightrope of, oh well, you know, he's quite right on about with his views about this, and we like that how he's sort of sticking it to people over the radio. But then, as as the whole kind of secrets start to unravel you realize actually he's been complicit in some really horrible things so yeah i, I just i just thought i mean eddie marzan's always great but he was you know but yeah he was great he was great in that right then sir um do you want do you want another 60 seconds to do a kind of honorable mentions okay yeah okay all right clive give us your honorable mentions for maybe things 60 seconds just to sort of pick up a few things that you might not have been able to mention while you were doing the rundown. Okay, um, honourable mentions. I will say uh, I've got to mention uh, the the thriller Cut Off, mm-hmm. um, which which I thought was great, and uh, 
had, had just had some like really sort of creatively done sort of twists and and sort of turns, which just you could see were rooted in the original writing, having come from someone who'd worked as a pathologist because the whole thing of being like a pathologist talking someone through doing pathology well, do it, cutting people up, over, you know, remotely. Over the and, phone. <laughs> yeah, over the phone. Uh, um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'd enjoyed Antibodies, uh, so, but I wasn't disappointed with this one. I thought that was really good. Um, I thought Daniel Isn't Real was, was very good. And, that you know, I really liked how they, uh, the sort of body horror elements take, creeps in. Yeah. So yeah, so th those are the two. Those are the, the, my two honourable mentions. Okay, there was a film called Bullets of Justice, which was just a bonkers um, f film. Uh, it, really, really hard to describe, actually. So I'll just say, check out Bullets of Justice. Okay. Um, one I really want to mention though was a film called The Drone. Okay. Um, this sounded like it was going to be absolutely terrible. Um, it's about a killer drone, and um, but it was actually very amusing and really worked and had some good performances and whatever in that. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also a good thriller, a contained thriller called Feedback, which starred Eddie Marsden. Um, again, I thought that film really worked. Yeah, that that was great. And um, finally, I'll give mention to a film called Kindred Spirits, which um, was a film about a um, uh, a mother and struggling with her daughter, and then one of her um, friends arrives, and you, you know, uh, it, 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 oh, well, finish your thought. Well, we're at the end. Finish your thought. Yeah, I, I didn't do so well on that one, did I? No, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But um, yeah, it, it's just it's just quite an intense thriller, and it's got that sort of single white female type um, vibe to it. But uh, that that worked as well. Well, brilliant. Well, look, it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your best of the fest of Fright Fest 2019. Thank you for having me. That was kind of tough because I'm not used to talking for such a short time. <laughs> <laughs> cool well look thanks very much for giving us your best of the fest on the breakfast podcast thank you sure thank you clive and thank you keith for giving us your time on the podcast as i say thank you to all the filmmakers who uh, were guesting on the um preview podcast series i did before fright fest and keep your eyes peeled genre fans I've got a trio of uh, Grimfest, the Manchester Genre Festival preview podcast coming up. Uh, Pauline McIntosh in the can. Chelsea's of uh, Satanic Panic is uh, coming up on the 23rd. And I'm waiting to confirm on the Soska Sisters. So um, some great podcasts on genre to come. But it just gives me to say congratulations, 20 years of Fright Fest. And here's to another 20. The BritFlix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Palmetto Porch.com.